0: Open your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 42, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 42. Again, I would like to, uh, in advance, thank you for your patience with me this morning. And um, <clears throat> one of the, I guess, if there's a good side of having a migraine um uh, I can honestly say, if you walk away blessed, it's because God did it, not me. <laughs> and that's the way it ought to be anyway, right? <clears throat> Genesis chapter 42. We'll be there in a minute, but as I, as I uh, prayed and uh, asked for direction for this morning's message, God... Very clearly directed me to a particular uh, idea, and as I started thinking about it, and I, you know, it, it, it dawned on me, and I, I mean, I knew this, and but it, it I don't know. Anyway, um, most of the Bible, when it was written, the world would be classified as an uh, um, an agricultural society. You know, people lived. Uh, by what they grew, uh, for the most part. So, <clears throat> subsequently, uh, the people uh, that the Bible was written to would be very familiar with land, managing stock, raising crops, and so on and so forth. Um, having grown up in L.A., I don't always understand those things. Um, <laughs> If you, if you get my drift. So um, many of the parables that Jesus gave us had to do with the, those subjects, the agricultural and, and so on and so forth. Because of that, the Bible contains many, many, many references to uh, sowing and reaping. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about that because sowing and reaping is a is a law of nature. Um, if you sow corn, you get strawberries, right? I wish it were like that. <laughs> no, you sow corn, you get corn. You sow strawberries, you get strawberries. So it is a law of nature that dates all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter one in verse twelve it says, and the earth grass, and herbs yielding seed, after its kind. And the trees yielded, yielding fruit, whose seed was in it, uh, excuse me, in itself, after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So in other words, a, a, a plant or a, a tree is only going to produce seeds that grow for itself. Okay, pretty pretty simple. So this this idea of sowing and reaping dates back to creation. Sowing and reaping as we will see this morning is also a spiritual law. We see this in uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mine, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, is this talking about someone who is sowing a, a physical seed? No. Okay. This is somebody who is sowing a spiritual seed. Okay. It, you, you, you will only reap what you sow spiritually as well as physically. Throughout Scripture, the idea of sowing and reaping is is an important um, uh, principle that each of us needs to get a hold of. And this morning we will see how sowing and reaping can affect someone's life for years. Last week we talked about Joseph and the fact that he chose to forgive. Uh, he, he chose forgiveness and grace. That's what Joseph chose. That was what he sowed in his life. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, loving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Unfortunately, as Joseph was choosing, or sowing, if you would, forgiveness and grace, his brothers were choosing or sowing hatred and selfishness. The title of my message this morning is is this, our choices have consequences. Our choices have consequences, and those consequences can last for years. In Genesis chapter 42, let's start reading uh, in verse 26. <clears throat> and they laded their asses with the corn and departed thence. And as one of them opened his sack, to give his ass prov- uh, provid- provider, provender, excuse me, uh, in the end, he despised his money, for behold, it was in his sack's mouth. And he said unto his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, it is even in my sack. And their hearts failed them. And they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this that God hath done unto us? And they came unto Jacob their father unto the land of Canaan and told him all that befell them, saying, The man who is the Lord of the land spake roughly unto us and took us for spies of the country. And we said unto him, we are true men, we are no spies. We be 12 brethren, sons of our father. One is not, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. And the man, the Lord of the country said unto us, whereby shall I know that ye are true men? Leave one of your brethren here with me and take food for the famine of your household and be gone and bring your youngest brother unto me. Then shall I know that ye are no more spies, but that ye are true men. So will I deliver you, your, brethren, your brother, and ye shall traffic or trade in the land. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to spend time in your word and spend time in fellowship. And Lord, we we are looking forward to what you have for us this morning through your word. We ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, and that you would change us to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, I want to read Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. You know, one of the things that we find in our society today, and I don't know if it's me, but it seems like it's getting worse, is people that circumvent... God's working in other people's lives. And what I mean by that is this. There's a fine line between rescuing somebody and enabling someone. Okay? Uh, I, I was reading uh, one of my commentators, so I I, I, I want to I share with you what he said, because uh, at least I think it's a he. Um, uh, what he said... <clears throat> Uh, because I couldn't say it any better than he does. He says, The Bible is a book of boundaries and consequences. From the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 1, to the book of Revelation, we see many situations of God saying, Thou shalt not. But he did not put a fence around the forbidden fruit in the garden. He allowed Adam and Eve to make the choice they wished to make, however, there are consequences that came with those choices i don 't know if you've ever thought about that, but you know God could have put a fence around the the tree, but yet what would what would Adam and Eve done if God had put a fence around it they 'd have figured a way around the fence, you know tunneled under it something I mean if anything it would it you know if my neighbor My neighbor was planting a tree this weekend, and I I should have said, you know, what you should do is put a sign here and say, you know, teenagers, do not dig a hole here. What what would have happened? Mysteriously, a hole would have appeared, right? Um, Because that's what we do. We do just the opposite of what, you know, we put a fence around something. We want to go in the fence and see what's back there. But God chose not to put a fence around the the, 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 the fruit, but he gave Adam and Eve the choice. The, The author continues. He says, Enabling others is a way some people try to buy love, but it rarely does. When we enable people from just consequences, we remove from them God's teaching tool." i want to reread that sentence because it is critical. When we enable people from just consequences, we remove them from God's teaching tool. God uses consequences to teach us life lessons. Jeremiah chapter 35 verses 12 to 15. When an enabler minimizes those consequences, he or she negates the value, the valuable lesson that the irresponsible person needs to learn. The enabler becomes frustrated after many rescues because the intended beneficiary was not yet, excuse me, has not yet learned anything. The frustration is ironic because one reason the person won't learn is that the bad... The the frustration is ironic because one reason the person won't learn is that the bad choices don't cost him anything. There's always someone there to bail him out. He's living a... Con- he's living a consequence free life you know we we live in a world today full of choices this morning you had a choice actually this morning you had many choices but one of the choices that you had today, this morning was whether you're going to go to church or not Fortunately, you made I believe you made the right choice for, by being here. But do not raise your hand here, but how many of you struggled with that choice? More than likely, there are some here that, you know what, I just don't feel like going. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't feel like being here this morning. My head is killing me. Just saying. See, choices that we make have consequences. And we live in a society today that, that we, it is a, at least as far as I can tell, it is, a, it is a phenomena in our society today that people are always trying to get out of consequences. And I'll tell you what, I, my mom is here this morning, and I want to thank my mom for letting me pay the consequences for my choices when I was growing up. I could tell you stories. She could tell you stories. <laughs> and and don't believe any of her stories because they're you know how parents always blow things out of proportion. So come to me for the truth. I'll tell you the truth. <clears throat> but you know what? My mom and dad, both of them, they they would you know if I got in trouble in school, I got in more trouble when I got home. So this morning. The passage that we read just a minute ago, there there are multiple choices that are made in this passage. And I wanna I wanna kinda go through some of these choices and and see if is is as we read it, if you picked up on some of these choices as well. Because some of these choices that have were made in the passage we just read could be could have been life changing. But they were made and the consequences, well, let's talk about it. <clears throat> Point number one this morning, our choices have consequences. Number one, <clears throat> the choice to not return. The choice to not return. Look at verse 29. <clears throat> 29 of our passage. What what happened here? In, 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 okay, in our story here, uh, um, Joseph's 10 brothers come to Egypt because they're hungry, they need food. So they go to Egypt and Joseph meets them. He gives them food and he replaces their money in their bags and he sends them on their way. Look, Look at verse 29. And they came unto Jacob their father into the land of Canaan and told him all that befell them, saying, they didn't go back. Verses 26 to 28, the brothers discover the money in the bags. But they didn't go back to Egypt. You know, most people, I shouldn't say most because I can't definitively say that. Many people would have returned immediately and said hey you know what there's been a a, an accounting error here we 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 don't know how or why but our money ended up back in our bags and here you go I mean they have they were already accused of being spies now now potentially they're thieves now occasionally you know computers are stupid. Just, just I just want to get that out there. Okay, how many of you have ever been to a store and you get you get something and and they ring it up wrong? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> um, I, I was telling my mom the other day a story. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but anyway, uh, for those of you that come to our Fourth of July thing, uh, and we'll talk about it at the end. Um, We have a set of four lawn chairs out there in our back patio. And I had been watching the price of those at Lowe's because I liked them. And we needed lawn furniture when we first moved here because we didn't have any. And anyway, Lowe's was doing a parking lot sale in the middle of the summer, the second year we were here. And there was a box, a big box of four of those chairs. And I thought, wow, okay. So I thought maybe they're on sale cheaper than the individual price if you buy the whole box. So I went up to the, to the girl with the scanner standing in the parking lot. And I said, how much is this entire box? And she scanned the box and she says it is whatever. I I don't remember, but that normally is what one chair costs. And I said, are you sure? And she scanned it again. Yes, sir. That it's, and I don't remember. That was 10, 15 years ago. Well, not 15, but 10 or 12 years ago. And <clears throat> she said, I'm positive. That's the price. And I said, okay, I'll take it. So she wrote up a ticket. I went in, paid for it, came outside, showed her the receipt, loaded it in the van, and came home. Do you know what guilt is? Okay. Well, I got the, those of you that live here know what I'm talking about. I got to the traffic circle, and as I was entering the traffic circle, God got a hold of my heart, and I just kept going around the traffic circle and just went just went right back to Lowe's. And I walked in, I parked in, I went in, and I, I very kindly went up to customer service. I need to talk to the manager. And so you know, I waited a few minutes, manager came and I explained what happened. And <clears throat> he he said, you know what? I, I said here, here's my receipt, just refund my money because you know, this isn't right. And he said, Absolutely not. He said, It is our fault. In fact, he said, It was my fault for not training the people in the out in the parking lot. So he ended up selling me all those chairs for the price of one. But anyway, <clears throat> typically, we as human beings want to do right. And why they did not go back to Egypt, to me, is puzzling. Because that would have been my first reaction. Man, we need to get back and get this thing strained out. Now, why they didn't, I, I don't know. And I, what I did is I, I came up with a few scenarios trying to figure out why they wouldn't have. Uh, the first one is they might have been afraid that, you know, the, 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 the guy had already accused him of being a spy. Now he's going to accuse us of stealing. That would be a big deterrent. Another idea that I came up with is is doubt of how to handle the situation. You know, they're just not quite sure, wow, should we go back? Should we, you know, what do we do? Well, Dad will know what to do because Dad always has the answers. Maybe they had traveled too far and they're like, okay, we're closer to home than we are going back to Egypt. And chances are that's not likely but it's possible maybe they thought well when we go back to get Benjamin we'll we'll take care of it then we we don't know why but all we know is they they chose not to return now as i pondered this thought i wondered do you think that By not returning, it caused Joseph to question their truthfulness. I believe it did. Again, choices that we make. Joseph was already skeptical about their truthfulness and their trustworthiness. And to the best of my ability, I tried to figure out from where... Jacob lived and where Joseph lived the the distance the best i can figure is about 20 days travel cuz they had you know they had to walk and so here they they traveled this this 20 days they they chose not to return but you know that as as we all know living in the desert as you drive through the desert it's a great time to think, isn't it? Because there's not a lot to see. We get, God gives us the ability where we live to, as we drive to, to, to think a lot. And, I, and I, as, I, as I thought about this, I thought, you know, these guys had 20 days to think about what had happened in Egypt. Think about the fact that the money was back in their sacks. Behind them, They had a man who thought they were a spy. They had a brother who was in prison. Simeon, the the second oldest brother, Simeon, was in prison. Possibility of being charged with theft. Now, what do they do, even today in the Middle East, when somebody is caught stealing? They cut their hands off it's kind of like brutal but you know what you think twice about stealing right so all this stuff is going through their minds and then so that's all behind them and now in front of them they're, they, they have a dad who's going to be really upset at them why because they lost another brother how do you guys keep doing this Then they have to explain the money issues and why didn't you go back to Egypt? Well, dad, we were afraid and you know, all the, all of these things. And then all the way, 20 days from Egypt back to Canaan, they had to come up with a way. Okay, guys, how are we going to talk dad into letting us have Benjamin to take him back so that we could get our brother out of prison? Because Benjamin was his baby. Now, how many of you parents, well, how many if you're a parent, you have a baby. Um, and we tend to baby our babies, do we not? And Benjamin was the baby. Needless to say, these these fellows were between a rock and a hard place. So choice number one, they returned, they chose not to return. Choice number two, the choice to go beyond. Now now this is important. Please get a hold of this because this is this this changes everything. Look at verse 35, chapter 42, and verse 35. It says, And and it came to pass as they emptied their sacks that behold every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when both they and their father saw the bundle of bundles of money, they were afraid. They were afraid. And you say, okay, how how does that verse get to the point where they the choice to go beyond? Well, it would appear that Joseph told his servant or his his uh, his steward, to put the money back in the sack. Look look back at verse 25, same chapter, verse 25. It says, Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and restore every man's money uh, in his sack and to give them provision for the way. And thus he did unto them. So Joseph in verse 25 tells his servant or his steward to fill their sacks and put the money in the in the bags. Put their, the money back in the bags. Okay? Y- y'all get that? <clears throat> but is that really what happened? I believe that is what happened. But, in chapter 43, <clears throat> and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but please bear with me for just a second. In chapter 43... Joseph's brothers finally convinced their dad to let Benjamin go back to Egypt so that they could get uh, Sim- Simeon out of prison. So as they come back to Egypt, the first thing they do is they go to Joseph's steward's house and they start pouring their guts out to this poor guy explaining how they got all this money and they're trying to give the money back to the steward look at chapter 43 in verse 23 and pay attention to what the steward says to them and he said peace be to you fear not your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks I had your money And he brought Simeon out unto them. Their grain had been paid for. And you say, well, wait a minute. How, how could the money be put back in their sacks, but yet their grain be paid for? There's only one well, there's, there's, two, there's only two answers to that question. Number one, the, the servant or the steward was lying, which is not likely. But the only other explanation could be that Joseph paid for the grain. He told the steward, hey, put all their money back on their sacks and I'll pay the bill. See, Joseph chose to go beyond. I found it interesting also what is the first thing the steward says to the brothers? In verse 23 of chapter 43, he says, Peace be to you, fear not. They were scared to death. As they came to the steward's house to give the money back, they were probably stammering and stuttering. And um, 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 here's your money. Um, and, and what does he say? Don't be afraid. But then he says something else that is, I found to be incredibly important to this whole story. And he said, peace be to you. Fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks." My First thought was, is he referring to Joseph in a roundabout way? And so I I pulled up my um, language help uh, thing on my computer, and the word he uses here for God, if you look at the word God here, the two times he uses it is capital G. Okay? Okay. That word in Hebrew is the name Elohim, the God of Israel. Here, an Egyptian steward for Joseph is encouraging Joseph's brothers and saying to them, Elohim has taken care of you. How in the world did this steward learn about Elohim? He certainly didn't learn it in his pagan religion. There's only one way he could have learned about Elohim, the God of heaven. Joseph. So not only did Joseph choose to go beyond with his brothers and pay the price for the food to take care of his family, but he chose to tell other people about God, Elohim. And I don't know about you, but I, I get the sense that this steward knew the God of heaven. Now I don't know that. But the way he talks here about peace and fear not for your God, the God of your father, sounds like he knew him. Joseph was a man who went beyond. Number number three, the choice to withdraw. Now, this is this is again, this is something I hope I, I don't know if you saw it or not. But let's look at verse thirty six here <clears throat> as we as we read a little bit further. And Jacob, their father, said unto them, "We have uh, bereaved <clears throat> of my children. The word bereaved there means to to make childless, okay? Uh, um, Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. And Reuben spake unto his father, saying, Slay my two sons, if I bring him not, uh, not to thee. Deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to thee again. And he said, My son shall uh, not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If mischief if mischief befall him by the way in the which he go then shall he bring down my gray head hairs with sorrow to the grave in other words if <clears throat> Joseph goes or Benjamin goes down there and dies you might as well bury me too see Jacob made the choice to withdraw. Now let me let me talk about this for a second because this is important. One of the biggest mistakes that we make when trauma comes into our lives is to withdraw. It is a self-preservation mechanism that we all are capable of. It is perfectly natural for us when trauma happens for us to withdraw. What is the problem with that? The problem with that is we end up concentrating and meditating on the problem instead of the solution to the problem. Let me say this. What Jacob did was perfectly natural. But... It wasn't right. It's never right to withdraw. When we withdraw, we end up focusing on the problem, and it starts a downward spiral that's hard to get out of. And the reality is this, we've all been there. But it still doesn't make it right. Verse 36, Jacob says, Joseph is dead. Simeon is dead. Now, was Simeon dead? No, he was just in prison. But when you, but when you withdraw and you focus on the negative, everything becomes negative. Look, look Again, look at verse 36. And Jacob, their father, said unto them, uh, me or, or you're basically he's saying you're, you're trying to make me childless Joseph is dead Simeon is dead uh, ye have, uh, uh, and ye will take Benjamin away and he'll die too all these things are against me everybody hates me you ever feel like that my father-in-law used to, used to say that all the time everybody hates me nobody loves me everybody hates me I'm going to go eat worms you know he I don't know where he got that from and he used to say that all the time <clears throat> but that's what that's what Joe's that's what Jacob is doing here. He's like everything is against me. Isn't that how we feel when we withdraw? Why? Because everything becomes about us. Let me say this. If we withdraw when trauma happens, we are setting ourselves up for some serious problems. Now, I'm going to read a list of things that happen oftentimes when we withdraw. And as I read this list, I, I think, I, in my, as I read it, I see many of these things in the life of Jacob. Loneliness, selfishness, strained relationships. So far, all three of those are present substance abuse I don't I don't know he was doing drugs but um <laughs> you never know um but no it seriously it does it does lead to that sleep issues depression he definitely was depressed so at least 4 of the 6 things I just read we see in in Jacob's life and then quickly point number 4 so we've talked about the fact that they they chose the choice to not return, the choice to go beyond, like uh, as Joseph did, the choice to withdraw. And now I want to talk about the choice to do right. The choice to do right. Look at verse 37. And Reuben, finally, finally, Reuben spake up unto his father, saying, Slay my two sons if I bring him not to thee Reuben finally was stepping up and trying to do the right thing. Finally, after all these years, Reuben wants to do right. He was trying to do right. He even says, hey look, if if I don't return with Benjamin and Simeon, well, I get no, I guess he just says Benjamin. If I don't return with him, you can kill two of my sons. Now I don't know if he would have, but but that's the, that that shows the the intense of his willingness to do right. Now I want to stop and I want to I want to back up to where we were at the beginning of the message, and that is talking about sowing and reaping. I wonder why it appears. Now again, this is just me, okay? But why does it appear as though Jacob really didn't trust or believe his sons? Do you, you kind of get that feeling as as they return from Egypt and now they're missing another brother? Do you get the I, I don't know, I may be I may be reading between the lines too much, but I get the impression that Jacob doesn't trust him. I wonder if in the back of Jacob's mind he thinks, okay, there's more to the story than this. Particularly when it comes to Joseph and what happened to Joseph I couldn't I can't help but wonder if he really believed the story of a wild animal killing Joseph I wonder if he suspected them of killing Joseph And the reason I say that is because what Jacob said in verse 36, Joseph is dead and Simeon is dead. I believe, again, this is me, I believe I, 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 that Jacob thinks that his brothers or his sons killed Joseph and they killed Simeon both. That's the way I read it. Now, I could be totally wrong, but that's just the way it comes across to me. And I wonder if Jacob thinks that this is a big elaborate plan to now also kill Benjamin. I don't know. After all, their hatred for Joseph was no secret. In Genesis chapter 37, we read this several weeks ago, but in uh, Genesis chapter thir- 37, verse 5, it says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it uh, his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And in just a couple verses later, that phrase r- repeats itself. And they hated him yet the more, and he hated them yet the more. In other words, their, their level of hatred just kept growing and growing and growing. And everybody knew it. It was no secret. Even their dad knew it. So when they come trotting home uh, and show show Jacob the, the, the coat of many colors and say, oh, hey, we found this in the wilderness and it looks like a wild beast killed Joseph. I wonder if he believed them. Now, I want to go back to the principle of sowing and reaping. For years, these brothers had sown seeds of mistrust. And now, all of a sudden, they come to their father and they want him to trust them. And what does Jacob do? He doesn't trust him. See, there are consequences to our choices. And they can affect us for years. Here we see the life of Simeon literally in the balance because the fact that Jacob did not trust his nine sons. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We can fool ourselves. We can fool ourselves all day long. But God will not be deceived and he will not be mocked. And what we sow in our lives is exactly what we're going to reap. And we see this being played out in the lives of Joseph and his brothers. As I was finishing up my study the other day, God challenged me with a thought I want to challenge you with. I felt like God said, Rick, is your life centered around Rick Lynn or is it centered around Jesus Christ? Whatsoever I sow, I'm going to reap. <clears throat> so, is my life a Rick-centered life Or a Christ centered life. I know what I want it to be, but it's not always what I want. How many of you this morning would say, you know what, Pastor? I need to be more Christ centered in my life. I hope that's your heartbeat. Because the reality is, we can all be more Christ-centered. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I thank you for the power of the Word of God that can change lives. And we see in this, in this story the, the contrast between choices that have been made, choices of hate and selfishness amongst these ten brothers, and the choice of selflessness and grace in the life of Joseph. And what a difference, what a contrast it has made in in the lives of these individuals. And Lord, as we close our service this morning, challenge us and help us, dear God, to clarify our thinking, that our thinking would be right, and that our desires would be to be Christ centered and not selfish centered. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me.